From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Yeah, here we are rocking it for another great edition of the Automotive ADHD Show. My name is Matt West, and thank you for joining me to talk about cars today. Man, we have had a lot of snow this week, have uh, totally uh, been getting dumped on with snow, and uh, and I ended up driving two hours in a uh, in in this terrible snow we had. We had probably almost a foot of snow uh, up where I am at my house, and it was even worse on some of the roads up north. But I ended up driving about two hours to go to a concert in Denver, uh, and uh, rather misguidedly. But you know what? I you know I wasn't gonna miss the concert. Let me let me put it that way. I I wasn't gonna miss out on that and uh now that, that said getting totally dumped on took a little bit longer to get up there but it was funny because when i made it to the concert and the the band by the way is a band called ghost and they're a heavy metal band uh that's maybe the best way to describe them i'll say they're an acquired taste however but they were packing out the gigantic ball arena which is the biggest concert venue basically here in colorado and uh, that was very cool. Now, that said, it was funny because it was snowing real bad and uh, the, the venue was practically packed, though. I mean, many tens of thousands of people in this venue. And the uh, front man from the band, you know, he, he kind of addressed the audience. He said, you know, hey, some people couldn't make it out tonight because they couldn't drive. And I was like, eh, oh, man, here we go. And uh, But then I realized, you know, he must be listening to my podcast. You know, a few weeks back, I was talking about snow tires, driving in the winter, and all that fun stuff. And he said then, yeah, all of you people are real uh, real Coloradans, and, you know, you got good tires for your car, because that matters. And he actually said that. So, yeah, can confirm. The front man from Ghost, absolutely listens to my my podcast i'm sure he does is that pretentious of me i don't know maybe a little bit but it was funny it was a good show in the end and uh i mean again i'm i'm a weirdo and i actually like driving in the snow what <laughs> what can i say what can i say but um got a lot of great things to talk about uh this week uh loaded show and uh, we're going to talk about why buying a car out of state and road tripping it back is a fantastic idea and it's underrated and you should absolutely do it and how i did it this past week also going to chat about the autobahn you know it is it's known for not having speed limits and uh that's not necessarily true you just need to go fast enough and then i guess even the unrestricted sections are uh, restricted. <laughs> this is really cool. We'll talk about that. Uh, also going to be hitting on some of the um, existential problems with dealership markups and uh, what manufacturers now are finally starting to do about that, which it's kind of a really, well, it's a, it's a dumb thing. The dealership markups suck. And uh, manufacturers are finally kind of catching on to that. So, uh, and of course, going to be featuring some of your car sounds right here on the show, ladies, gentlemen, Ford Cortinas. Uh, I want to give you a quick update, real quick, on the AE86 project car, the automotive ADHD project car. You didn't ask for it, but here it is. Now, the engine has been sourced, it is a Volvo T5 turbo uh, white block, which is fun. Uh, the bell housing is. Good to go-ish, I would say, uh, because, yes, we have the bell housing, but it's also in another car at the moment, and um, OBD1 Kenobi actually bought a whole car just because it had the right bell housing we need to make the swap work, so really, he bought a bell housing with some car attached to it, and now we need to 
take the bell housing out of there so you know we can bolt the transmission up to this thing uh which it is a rear wheel drive configuration the a86 and we're putting a front wheel drive volvo engine in it so we have to do some funny things to uh convert it to rear wheel drive now uh that said have also i've also spent some time with it being so snowy not really being able to get out and drive a whole lot um did spend some time working on the project car. Yeah, and uh, cleaned it up, attached the body panels, uh, cleaned out the interior, mopped out all the nastiness and and uh, hay and plants and all sorts of things that were growing through the floor of this car. And uh, also discovered it's got some nice parts that I didn't even notice really before, uh, namely coilovers, adjustable trailing arms, uh, adjustable tow arms. Uh, I know I did know it had a welded diff, but that became very apparent as I had to push it up my driveway. So, you know, welded diff for the, for the drift life, right? Um, but it brings me to kind of the, the first thing here I want to hit on on the show, which is this is a ridiculous project car and for the most part i'm going to need to tow it to places i don't imagine it's going to be very uh how do i say street drivable and uh <laughs> so uh one thing i've been trying to do and you you may know this if you've been listening to the show for a long while i have been on the hunt for a new daily driver more importantly one that can actually tow stuff uh my jeep has been a great daily driver uh well one of the jeeps there's the 800 dollars stroker jeep that's not going anywhere but then there was my daily driver jeep and the uh, problem is it really can't tow much so that is now on its way out and i picked up a toyota tacoma i know a toyota how very Typical and predictable of me. Now I've got three old Toyotas in my garage. They just keep multiplying. You know, again, in uh, in God we trust and in Toyotas we rust. But that said, it's actually, an, it's well, I won't say it's a newer truck. It's a 2012. It's got, more importantly, a manual transmission. Tows like 6,400 pounds. Not a ton, but perfect for a small car hauler and some really lightweight, crappy Corolla. That's basically all I'm trying to do with it. Uh, but and I'm not saying this stuff to brag, but I do want to kind of focus on how I actually bought this truck and why it's an underrated way of buying a car. Um, I found it online uh, out of almost out of state, right at the Colorado, New Mexico border, right into New Mexico. And uh, so decided to fly out on a small flight, cheap flight down to the nearest airport there, meet up with the buyer, take a look at the car and then drive it back. And it was about an eight hour drive back uh, to where I'm at and uh, through the mountains. And it was very scenic and very cool. And it just made me think of like, you know, we, we get so wrapped up into maybe buying a car that's not exactly the one we wanted and maybe even for more money just because it's closer and it's at a dealership. And, you know, buying a car out of state and driving it back is, I think, one of the most rewarding things you can do. For one, you just bought the car. You're excited about it. You want to drive it. Well, what better excuse than to, you know, drive it home, <laughs> however many hours or days that is to get home. And uh, and that, that really helps you learn a lot about the car and learn a lot about its quirks and how it drives and gives you some some bonding time with the car. Now, there are some caveats to that. And I would I would say you probably shouldn't do that with a car that, you know, is a project car uh, that, you know, might blow an engine 10 feet after you buy it. I would not recommend that. I mean, you could still do it. Plenty of people do, but I would not recommend that. Also, when you buy a car, uh, I won't say sight unseen. You know, I have bought a car sight unseen. My uh, Honda S2000, I bought sight unseen at an auction. 
and had no idea what I was going to get. And it was miraculous that I even got a whole car. So, uh, but no, you know, because of the way we have with uh, technology now, with video chats, all sorts of good stuff like that, you can really, especially if the owner is willing to do a video walk around, answer questions, you know, look at the frame, go underneath the car. And fortunately, the seller I was working with was um, happy to go above and beyond and <laughs> crawled through the dirt underneath the truck. You know, looked at different points on the frame I was worried about having rust on. Uh, those uh, second-gen Tacomas are notorious for uh, rusting away. And uh, surprisingly, this one doesn't have any uh, rust yet. It is a Toyota, so I say yet. But uh, but yeah, it ended up being okay. And, and amazingly, I actually didn't overpay for this thing, especially considering the car buying market right now and how toxic and expensive it is to uh, buy a car right now. And I didn't actually have to deal too much with that. So that was good. It was overall a really cool experience. Now, again, if you want to try this, I would recommend at least getting the seller to do some sort of video chat with you uh, or uh, have a mechanic independently inspect it. And mechanics are used to doing that all the time. Call them up and schedule something. And then the owner takes the car into them. And then the mechanic does an independent inspection. You know, that's uh, that's really something you want to do. If you intend on driving this vehicle back any uh, distance, you know, for me that I had no doubt in my mind that I could get in this truck, pay the seller, get in it. And even though, you know, I hadn't seen it before, drive it home and uh, any little issues it had or were not going to affect its ability to get me home eight hours. So, yeah, again, would I do this with the cars I normally buy? No, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I okay, maybe under the right circumstances, I would do it, even though it'd be a terrible idea. And honestly, this new truck, it's it's out of like left field for me. It's like the nicest. It's not even a newer, expensive car. And it's like the nicest thing I've ever owned. Like it's got windows. They go up and down. Uh, it's got heat. It's got uh, a locks that lock like it's got an engine and a transmission. This is this is high life for me. That's uh, uh, definitely cool. And I'm excited to be able to use this as a vehicle to tow around the automotive ADHD project car. It's going to be good. Now, hey, coming up in the next segment of the show, going to be talking about the Autobahn and how fast exactly do you have to go before it's too fast? Well, there was a Bugatti driver who put that to the test, and I'll tell you about it in just a minute. And now for how things work with an engineer. CVT transmission. And that was how things work with an engineer. For more of how things work, go to patreon.com slash throttlewarrior. Yeah, there we go. That is Shane Hyde's Cadillac CTS-V with a cam, long tube headers, and it sounds fantastic. Now, he says it's currently hibernating until, quote, and these are his words, Wisconsin road salt goes back to hell where it belongs. Shane, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. That is, that was, I couldn't put it better myself. And of course, want to thank Shane as well for sending that in all the way from Wisconsin. That is fantastic. Now, of course, you can send your car sounds into the Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. And you can also email them to me, Matt at throttlewarrior.com. And when you uh, send those car sounds in, you are automatically entered for a chance to win a automotive ADHD key tag. 
and a $25 gift certificate to your favorite auto parts store. So send that in. Get yourself entered. I do the drawing for that stuff once a month. And also, again, want to congratulate Josh Maldonado uh, for uh, winning last month's drawing. So, hey, that could be you. Now, before I talk about the Autobahn, check this out. New survey just released says 40% of people think the best driver they know is themselves. Yeah, are, are you guilty of this one? I, I I might be guilty of this one. But despite that, rather in a rather confusing way, the same study also asked those same people, and 61% of the people asked, uh, who, by the way, these were the people who said that they know the best driver they know is themselves, 61% of them said they would only go on a road trip if they didn't have to drive. If they didn't have to be the one to do it, then they would do it. Well, what, what happened to being such a good driver, huh? <laughs> what? I don't know. How, do, how does that work? How does that work? I was just talking about road tripping cars uh, back, especially cars you buy out of state. That's a lot of fun. I, I like that sort of thing. Again, maybe 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 you and I are just odd and weird because we like cars and we like driving. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the case. Um, now, they also, in this study, asked a very important question, which is, who gets to control the music while you're driving? If you're on a road trip, who gets to control the music? And 40% of people say the driver gets to have the final say in what plays on the radio, and uh, 60% of people are wrong. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> that's my opinion, yeah. No, I absolutely agree that the driver has the sole discretion of what plays on the radio. They are the ones actually operating the machine, and they need to either have the best music to help them operate the machine or have the least distracting music at the very minimum. So, you know, that they don't crash and everyone dies. So, just saying. And uh, no compromises. Driver has the final say. Uh, if you don't like the music, then you can walk. That's uh, <laughs> that's my opinion. If you disagree with me, well, you're not driving with me. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but no, really, the driver... Yeah, they get the final say. No arguments there. <laughs> so, hey, let's talk about the Autobahn. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with it. It's famous, the road in Germany, famous for not having speed limits, um, which isn't necessarily 100% true. But the problem is it turns out that even the non-restricted areas of the Autobahn are restricted. And it took a Bugatti driver to find this one out. Yeah. So before I mention that, just a little background on the Autobahn. You know, again, everyone has the uh, preconceived uh, misconception that all of it is unrestricted, no speed limits. In fact, a very small portion of it is actually uh, where you can drive without speed limits. The rest of the Autobahn has speed limits like every other road in every other country. And uh, But the unrestricted areas are clearly marked as unrestricted, and drivers in Germany are very courteous, uh, usually, and keep out of the passing lane. Uh, they're a lot better than American drivers, I would say, in that regard. By the way, these same drivers who think they're the best drivers, you know, 40% of them, right? <laughs> but uh, that said, uh, there is a Bugatti owner. He, owned a he owns a Bugatti Chiron, the new one that everyone, you know really wants, you know, and it's really cool. And he uh, uh, is a uh, Czech uh, businessman and um, and a real estate guy. And uh, he's got this Bugatti. It's got 1,500 horsepower on tap. It's electronically governed to 261 miles an hour. However, the car can exceed speeds 
in the 300 mile an hour category, which is insane. That is in a car. And uh, anyway, this the owner of this car, this man's fairly well off, uh, considering the multi-million dollar price tag on one of these Bugattis. Uh, and he decided to film him maxing the car out on a section of the Autobahn in a perfectly open, unrestricted section. And, uh, and, and here's the crazy thing, though. So he filmed it. He did everything, and I would say, I watched the video, he did everything in a pretty safe manner. Uh, he had um, spotters who checked the road in front of him. Uh, he did it in the early hours of the morning when there was no traffic, and he also did it on only a section of Autobahn that both has no speed limit, but also has tall fences on either side of the road to prevent wildlife from running across deer and stuff like that. Because uh, you definitely don't want to hit a deer, and you don't want to hit a deer at like 260 miles an hour. That would, that would be bad for you and the deer. Just uh, throwing that out there. And uh, but the German government spotted his video, which made it kind, which made kind of you know the viral rounds. And uh, they're now filing charges against him. Two, they're threatening him with two years in prison for doing this. And he's sitting there saying, "But I thought it was unrestricted," which it's true. Apparently, though, they have uh, the German government has a very, in my opinion, subjective section of their law that says it's unrestricted. So long as you don't put anyone in danger, which the circumstances and how he did this, I would say, meant that he didn't put anyone in danger. But they just said that, nope, that kind of speed is clearly unsafe. That's putting everyone in danger at those speeds. So what they're saying then is there's a speed limit. But that's just a non-spoken, not, you know, not known speed limit. They just get to kind of determine that, no, 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 that's too fast. That's actually dangerous. Even though they just said there's no speed limit. I don't know. I know that's very weird. That's very weird and suspicious in my opinion. Um, and uh, regardless, uh, yeah, if you're going to say that it has no speed limit, then in my opinion, it has no speed limit. And I get the practical side of, well, it was unsafe. Traveling at that speed is, you know, insane. The, you crash, you instantly die. Well, the guy knew that and he was even wearing a fire suit and safety gear and he did it when there was virtually no one else on the road. I think he passed uh, maybe one other car on the very far right. He was in you know, one lane and he was separated by several lanes between him and that other car on top of that. It wasn't just passing him on the side. So, uh, you know, and on top of that, you're in a machine actually designed to go those speeds. Uh, I, I would say that's not necessarily unsafe. I don't know if I would necessarily want to do it myself, but I also don't think that it was necessarily a uh, tragically unsafe thing. But you know what? The dude's got a lot of money. I'm sure he affords a lot of lawyer, and I'm sure I'm sure he probably saw that coming. You know, he's probably saying, "Yeah, whatever. We'll uh, we'll figure it out," and he'll just go keep on driving his uh, two million dollar, three million dollar, however however expensive uh, Bugatti Chiron. I know these are these are problems of the uh, the uber wealthy. <laughs> like, oh no, I didn't get to drive my three million dollar car for a day. I know it's a first world problem, right? Uh, but anyway, yeah. That said, the uh, Autobahn, very cool place. Uh, I would very much like to visit it. I haven't visited it. I'm well researched on how the rules of it work. You know, that's part of my duty is hosting this show to you is at least being well researched about how that works. But uh, absolutely, I would love to go there still. Uh, that is on one of my bucket lists, which I mean, you ask any car enthusiast and I think the Autobahn is on anyone's bucket list. More importantly, the Nürburgring, the big racetrack in Germany, the very famous racetrack. That's more on my bucket list than the Autobahn is, but you kind of have to drive on the Autobahn to get to the Nürburgring. So, you know, hey, might as well uh, might as well knock them out in one trip. Uh, just uh, 
Just saying there. So, hey, coming up uh, in the uh, next segment of the show, the third half, I'm going to be talking about dealership markups and how they are uh, incredibly ridiculous, unnecessary, how they ruin buyer trust. And uh, Ford has finally decided to do something about it as a company. Yeah, this is interesting. And uh, I'll tell you about that here coming up in just a minute. Did you know there's a rare but serious condition affecting one out of every million? Most are born with it, and despite decades of research, doctors struggle to find a cure. The truth is, thousands of people simply don't know what cars are. For those affected, things are grim, but recent developments show promising success. New clinical trials using breakthrough audio technology have shown a 69% improvement in patients with the most severe symptoms. Treatments vary, but one day we may see a cure. More information is available at ThrottleWarrior.com. Oh yeah, there we go. That is Steve Kraft in his 1987 Porsche 911 Turbo. Oh my God, what a incredible car and uh, he sent sounds of it in uh, a couple weeks ago of it doing a flyby and that time that was a cold start and idle what again this that 911 is just really cool i'm not a porsche guy but yeah 911s especially those old ones just i have a soft spot in my heart for them they are super cool and of course if you want to send your car sounds into the show i thoroughly encourage you to do that and it will also enter you for a chance to win the automotive adhd key tags i've got a I've got one right here on my keychain. They are very cool. They're uh, they're very durable, and um, more importantly, they look cool, which is neat. And they also have a dual function. You're able to uh, you know easily fish your keys out of your pocket, and they're not quite as long as a lanyard, and they definitely don't get in the way as badly. So, and if you're wanting to see what they look like, Automotive ADHD Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/AutomotiveADHD. And of course, you know while you're there, go go send your car sounds in. Get entered for a chance to win one of these, and you know, to sweeten the deal. There's also a uh, there's a twenty five dollar uh, gift certificate also involved. So you gotta check that stuff out. Now, I want to talk about dealership markups, and dealership markups have always been they've been around, and they will always continue to be around because it is also kind of part of the way dealerships make money. Without markups, there would be no dealerships, there would be no profit, there would be no sales staff, there would be no maintenance department. I get that, but they have been a huge issue because dealership markups have also been kind of abused a little bit by dealerships. Uh, and, you know, the the manufacturer uh, has a uh, MSRP, Manufacturer suggest, Suggested Retail Price, and that exists for a clear and, you know, defined reason, which is to, you know, tell consumers how much this vehicle is worth and roughly how much you should pay and that msrp also includes you know and in many ways a lot of the dealership markups already their their margin of profit and you know and here's the thing so again dealerships have been kind of uh, as of lately they do this they've been doing it for years it's just i think being more noticed now because the auto industry and the auto market is already kind of screwed up uh especially because of the pandemic but um you know ford reported that uh, there were $3.6 billion uh, in dealership markups 
over the past year. Those the all of those markups totaled three point six billion dollars. And guess what? That is not money that Ford actually gets. Just because you're going to a Ford dealer doesn't mean Ford is getting the money for that because Ford is the manufacturer and the dealership is actually a private business. You know, Joe Schmo's uh, you know, Ford and Lincoln dealership, for instance, you know, that is, uh, you know, an actual business owned locally by a guy named presumably Joe Schmo. And uh, but he works with Ford. He, you know, directly works with them as the manufacturer and he has licensing agreements and all sorts of branding agreements to be able to use their brand on his dealership. And, uh, you know, so when Ford tells a dealership you have a certain MSRP. The dealership generally should adhere to that with a little bit of wiggle room. You know, there's always been a little bit of that at $1,000 here and there, a couple thousand dollars. But lately, especially with the Ford Broncos, uh, not even the Bronco Raptors, because those haven't hit the dealership floors yet. I did talk about those last week, though, in great detail. And uh, you should uh, definitely check that out after this episode here. But uh, that said, you know, when the Bronco came out, even the base model ones, dealerships were taking these allocations they got and saying, wow, there's such a demand for these cars. We're going to mark up a $40,000 Bronco to $85,000. They're 100%, if not more, uh, you know, markups. And um, and this is a problem for a lot of reasons. For one, it, it causes issues with customer trust. And because Joe Schmo's car dealership... Um, uses and you know it has licensing and has agreements with Ford to use their brand this also negatively affects Ford as a company because people are going to say man I want the new Bronco but oh my god I, I can't get one for MSRP and I'm sure you've heard people say that you know I'm sure maybe you, you've said that or you know people who have been in the market for a new car uh, and especially maybe one that's a little more interesting like the Bronco or maybe the C8 Chevy Corvette or whatever and people are like I just can't I can't afford, I could afford it, you know, at MSRP, but not for double or triple MSRP. I mean, even a few weeks back, I talked about a, um, a C8 Corvette that was selling for over MSRP by like 20 grand and it was wrecked. It was at a salvage yard and it was selling for that much because even a non-wrecked base model had such a huge dealership markup on it. That, that buying one wrecked for like 20 grand over MSRP was still cheaper than buying a not wrecked one at the dealership markup. And uh, now Ford has decided to crack down on this um, because, again, you know, as the manufacturer, they don't actually make this money. That's only the dealership. The, the Ford only gets the portion of the vehicle sale uh, from the dealer that is agreed upon. And that's not the agreed upon part of it. So the 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 markup is just purely purely cash going to the dealer and uh, Ford CEO Jim Farley has now made a statement saying that dealerships with unreasonable markups will lose vehicle allocations to interesting vehicles like the new F-150 Lightning specifically he he name dropped that and you know when that comes out that's going to be a massive hype machine and um, you know presumably there'll be so many markups no one's going to be able to afford them and all this and that well, he's saying no. He's putting his foot down as a CEO and saying, "All you little private dealerships, if you mark these up, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna take away your allocations, and you're not gonna get any more of them, and that's going to suck for you and the customers." So that is good. That is good. Now, you know, again, all these major makes. It's not just Ford. They're just making press right now for putting their foot down. Uh, Chevy, Dodge, uh, you know, Porsche. Uh, they're all guilty of having their dealerships put 
unreasonable markups on new cars merely because, ooh, it's the new car, and if you want it first, you're going to pay more money for it. And uh, the also, the, the another big part of this issue, by the way, is uh, people people's willingness to pay that markup. Because, you know, one thing about a free market society is, like, if no one, if you're asking so much money for something that no one's going to pay for it, well, you're just not going to sell it then. And then you're going to have to lower the price if you want to sell it uh, to something that people do want to pay. And in that way, consumers very much dictate the, uh, you know, cost of things in some ways. Now, the problem is there's a lot of consumers with uh, a lot more money, money to burn than than yours truly. Uh, they have a, there's a lot of people with a lot more money out there than me. And uh, that for whatever reason, they're totally good buying cars at these inflated dealership markup prices. They just say, ah, whatever, you know, I got the money, I don't care. Let's burn the money. Let's be the first to get the new Bronco. And that's part of the problem because one reason the dealerships are asking these crazy markups is because people are actually paying them. You know, I, I hit on that back several shows ago about just general used car prices too. You know, if you're just buying a used car like I did, like I bought that um, 2012 Tacoma, you know, and if you're willing to pay 10 grand over Blue Book for it merely because you can, because the seller's asking for it, and then you actually do it, well, you're also part of the problem there. That's that's just how that is. And uh, so I think, you know, there's a, it shouldn't have to take form in manufacturers restricting what dealerships do. Uh, but part of the problem is also the consumers. And uh, my best advice for that is, hey, if you're looking to buy a cool car, and uh, don't pay double the MSRP for it. Just just wait at that point. Just wait until the MSRP or until they start coming out at MSRP. But, you know, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, GM, by the way, in response to Ford also mentioning this uh, crackdown on dealerships and high... Uh, uh, high markups. Uh, GM issued a similar statement. And in the past, Porsche has done this as well. Uh, Porsche has also done this to people who uh, flip cars on top of that, who buy Porsches and then flip them, uh, not dealerships, but private individuals who buy them and then flip them for, you know, a ton of money. And uh, they're trying to limit that sort of thing as well, because that sort of toxic increase in price really screws things up for the whole market. So, you know, you can't... Granted, you can't have dealerships giving markups without customers paying the markups, and customers won't pay the markups without the dealerships asking the markups. Yeah, I know it's it's kind of a it's one of those things. It's a, it's a mutual thing. Granted, and uh, and this probably doesn't affect a ton of us. I I don't know about you, but I'm not going out of my way to spend uh, two hundred thousand dollars markup on a new Mercedes or or something ridiculous like that. Uh, though, by the way, uh, one thing. Uh, they have been calling these markups is um, I've seen them on dealer sheets, uh, uh, spec sheets and window stickers on cars. They call them market correction adjustments or whatever. It's a markup. It's a markup. Don't have uh, don't have any doubt that that's a markup. But hey, there you go. I uh, I hope you thoroughly enjoyed this half hour of the show. If you didn't, I'm sorry. You can't get that half hour back. But you know what? It might be worth it. Feel free to rate this show on Spotify. I encourage you to do that. Also, if you're in Southern Colorado, you can catch this show on the radio, 91.7 KLZR, Saturday mornings at 10. 30. Now, of course, I uh, the show's always going to remain free. It's always going to be a podcast, though I do encourage you to subscribe to the Patreon, get early access to the show a day early, as well as some cool other perks, uh, patreon.com slash throttlewarrior. Now, I will see you next week, same time, same place. 
when my spaceship's AI won't open the door. Yeah, I'll see you then.